Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. And I'll throw it over to our special guest today in a few sentences. Can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So my name is Nacho. I am a product manager at ADP right now. Um, currently, I'm overlooking the portfolio of all of our product managers in North America. Um, specifically, what I try to do is help ADP complete its mission of creating a better world of work uh, for people. Uh, because ADP is so embedded in payroll and in hiring and everything else that we do, the things that we create literally affect how people work. Uh, how they get their jobs, how they get paid, how they do, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my work is actually specifically helping in product management, making our product management team better, uh, help us work in innovative solutions. Um, and I actually just finished recording a presentation from my team about uh, innovation and diversity. All right, <laughs> this is going to be great. So, and super meaningful work that everybody appreciates when the check just hits their account the night before in direct deposit. Or right. paper check. Like everybody's got to get paid, and then that you know we can take care of all our bills and all the fun stuff. So, exactly, very important, exactly. very meaningful work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, that's a that's a really interesting um, way to phrase it because. Um, I, th I think the challenge um, isn't about the people, right? The diversity is out there. The talent is out there. Um, it, it's, it's like we have blinders on sometimes, right? We start our searches uh, from a place of our expectation. So if you came from a certain school and a certain kind of background, you'll use that background to find your talent, right? And so it's, it's, it's even beyond, right, color and religion. Um, but we, we, we put these... Um, confirmation biases on, right, which become stereotypes that lead us to behave in a certain way when we hire. And it's really fascinating because um, when we talk about, you know, color blindness and finding the best people, and you look at Silicon Valley, you see that that didn't work, <laughs> right? You look at Silicon Valley, you see like, there's a whole bunch of people that look like themselves and work like themselves and hire people like themselves. So we need to do something different than, than sort of just looking beyond talent. And so what I try to teach is that the, to really get beyond the challenge, you have to think critically about what it is you're looking for. And then you should actually seek diverse opinions. Who's going to challenge me on these thoughts, right? Who's going to push me? Um, and who's really going to uh, uh, open my mind? And so uh, check your gates, right, is one of the first things we have to do when we talk about the challenges of getting diverse talent in. So many people are being weeded out because of your word filters, right, because of your automated attendance. It's like sometimes you just got to remove all that, get real humans back in the mix, and you'll find the talent was there waiting for you. Yeah, and so that that bias I think is a is a real thing, and I think it affects all of us. We have our own lived experiences, and so I think it's important just to be re, like react to it when you know that you maybe have that tendency or you're looking for certain things. It's okay to acknowledge you're a human being and you have those and you make those, but then you have to have something that stops you and says, okay. I got to make sure I'm counteracting that and acting in a reasonable way exactly. and towards the goals that we're, we're trying to shoot for. So definitely. Yeah, uh, I was just going to mention, there's a really interesting um, study. If you, if you read what happened with confirmation bias and, and unconscious bias, um, the researcher that, that did that research um, says that she's worried that she's going to be famous for confirmation bias or unconscious bias training. 
because she says unconscious by string doesn't work. It's unconscious, sure. <laughs> right? Like you can't consciously fix something that's unconscious. It's building systems around unconsciousness to fight even that 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 tendency, right? It's not even possible sure. to, to, to get your bias in there. And it's also difficult to, to have this conversation with people that are not believers. They're just like, that's not a real thing. And you're just like, but it is. So <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Oh, man. So you mentioned something else. You mentioned gating. And I think that leads into the question, which is think about the push to remove for CS degrees for some of these software engineering roles. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a smart move. Um, and for a couple of reasons. Um, one, again, it's that predisposed filter. We already know through studies that um, asking for a certain kind of degree already favors a certain kind of person, right? Somebody with more money, uh, generally going to be uh, lighter skinned, right? Generally going to fit this kind of MO. So we already know that there's a filter there um, that we're already putting on. Secondly, I think the problem is we're actually using it as a bad analog for skill, right? It used to be you left college with a certain degree and you would say, this person is skilled in this trade. He's ready for this kind of a job. And I don't think that's really the case anymore, right? The degrees are definitely training us. They're definitely teaching us things. But the gap between what your degree says and what you're going to do in the real world is still pretty big. And so when you throw away the requirements for those degrees, what you then have to do is really look and say, what does the skill level really look like? What am I actually looking for? And then what you have to do is you have to change the way you interview in order to check for those skills, right? You're not saying, give me your rundown of your, of your, of your bona fides, right? You're saying, show me how you've demonstrated this skill. Um, like one question I added to my interview um, was one about grit and had to really challenge myself to come up with something. And it was, tell me about a time in your life when you knew you were right and everyone else thought you were wrong and what you did about it. Right. And so what you're doing there is you're getting at, at, at behavior, right? Sure. Tell me about a time you were actually courageous. Don't tell me you're courageous. Sure. <laughs> right. Show me when you did it. Right. Tell me. I think that's like a great way to run, you know, behavioral based interviews is like give some time and say to take time and actually think yeah. about a time would this happen? And that's a great interview question. So I'm stealing it. Hopefully you haven't trademarked it. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's a good one because I love grit. I think grit, motivation, and coachability are two of the key factors that I look at when we're looking Absolutely. to screen candidates that we think are going to have like a big upside to them. So what do you think about an apprenticeship pattern? Do you think it might work for tech roles as well? You know, it should work for tech roles. Um my, uh, I have an interesting perspective because over the last two years, I've had a unique living situation. I've lived in a small apartment in Pasadena where I could walk to work. And I sent my wife and my four daughters to Switzerland uh, to spend time abroad with their family. Um, yeah, right. So I, I got to see sort of a European way of doing things versus an American way of doing things. Okay. And in Europe, the apprenticeship program starts early, right? You're like in your tween age years and, and you move into sort of these, these skills really early and it works really, really well in Europe. Now, the problem is that it would work really, really well here, but we would have to change so much to make it happen, right? Like we don't even give, you know, parental leave. Um, how are we gonna make enough space for that apprenticeship? Now, the caveat to that, of course, is that the companies that invest in it are going to be light years ahead of everybody else. Um, in my opinion, this is either now or will become very shortly a distinguishing factor in how you find and retain good talent. Because you have to be able to bring them in and find a path to teach them, not just what 
that skill is, but what that skill is in your organization, right? Um, when I'm looking for product people, I'm looking for those diamonds in the rough, right? The people that have the natural skills, uh, the curiosity, the grit, the passion, the courage. Um, but I can teach the skills and the behavior that I want to, right? That's a that's clay that I can mold, and I want to get my sure. hands on it. And I think organizations that invest in that are going to have a huge advantage. I'm I'm sort of betting on that same hypothesis that the organizations that we cater towards that are like ready to execute on something like this and they just need a way to operationalize it, they'll yeah. be the first, they'll create some wins and then we can really start putting some more of a sort of a national attitude towards making some adjustments. Because I talk to folks that like, you know, on the East Coast that know about co-op programs like Northeastern, you talk to little where it's successful often ask that question why isn't everybody doing this right the right. uk is doing this like it's like craziness some of it i do think is is historic there was a time in our country where we were doing tracking early on and yeah. there was a big pushback and folks felt like certain individuals were being sort of tracked towards certain career paths and the pushback has traditionally caused people to see it you know it's like like that it's all socialism over on any of that here right and so I think the minds will change as we start seeing all this disruption in education. And I think people with other alternative innovation, it's now's the time to experiment, right? Now's the time to just see what else might work. And I would love to get it a toehold and have everybody doing apprenticeships in you know, the near future. That just well, maybe yeah, what Absolutely. One, one thing I see that, that, that indicates you might be right is, is like no matter where I go, like so I post these podcasts and I and I publish stuff every now and then about the work I do in product and I get a rush of people. Right. And it's that generation. It's that young generation. They've left college and they know they need skills. And they're like, I'll give you my time. Like, how can I learn from you? How can I follow you? How can I uh, follow that path? They see it um, and they're hungry for it. So I feel like um, I feel like it's there for sure. Nice. So what advice would you share with companies that do a great job of getting folks in? How do you retain diverse uh, staff? Yeah. So so this is a big question that has a lot of different answers. Uh, but I want to focus on on what I've seen work um, and what sure. I think personally has made a difference. And that is simply having diverse leadership. Um, it sounds a little bit hokey, um, you know, but it's like uh, we we believe what we see. Right. And I think especially in this time, we see the hunger for authenticity. We see the hunger for people to just speak the truth, good or bad. You know, let me know what's happening. And when we look to our leaders, we're starting to see through that veneer of you're just here because you were here for 20 years or you're just here because, you know, you went to that college and he went to that college and you speak the same language. Right. right. Like like you start to see through really quickly. And then when you go to an organization that you're like, oh, wait a minute, like, oh, that's a woman in charge. That's a, that's a, that's a brown person that, that, that made that decision. Like, you don't see that anywhere. And when you do, I think that is really what, what is meaningful. And so, again, just like we were talking about that recruiting program where you kind of have to reframe those gates, right, bringing people in, you have to do the same thing with your leadership program, right? Stop looking at your normal, you know, MBA, whatever, like, break down the skills. What are the attributes that I'm looking for? I think the other thing that's really um, missing, um, and this is probably the last, last part of this question I'll answer, but the other piece I think is missing is investment in leadership. Um, uh, there was this really great study that's been done about um, leaders in, in minorities 
And as minorities go through the scale, it takes them longer to achieve, right? They do this, the more work than anybody else, they achieve later uh, down the line. And this creates this frustration, right? Where people want to throw in the towel or they want to go somewhere else. These people are, are, you need to find a way to pluck them out, right? Give them the faith, say, we're ready for you and, and, and have the courage in yourself and the faith in the people that you've brought onto your team to give them those opportunities. And I think we misunderstand how valuable it is to take somebody who's maybe almost ready for a role and promote them and watch their loyalty and watch their growth versus somebody that's way prepped. I took him in from the outside. What is their attachment? Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than being inside an organization. And one, the first part where you said you don't see any representation. So that's a signal like right away. Right. Let's see the very positive signal or very negative signal when you don't see leadership that reflects the, what, what you want to see in yeah. the organization. And then to the second part, when you have a cohort of folks that start in the organization at the same time, you start seeing people get opportunities and you're lagging behind. Yeah. And some of it may truly be that you don't have quite the, the skill set and you need a little bit more managing and coaching. But just to know that at such a like obvious, like it becomes very apparent, like, okay, well, some people are excelling. And in other cases, people are coming from the outside and getting opportunities before someone inside that's put in the work it can be exceedingly frustrating. So I get it. That makes a ton of sense to me. So awesome. yeah, I think that's one thing capitalism is kind of is, is interesting right now because we're in this state, state where we've worshiped capitalism in America and it's going to trump all evils. And I get the argument, right? It promotes this behavior and, and gets rid of this behavior. I understand. But when we sacrifice government programs or apprenticeships or time off or healthcare, then it's time for the capitalism to step in and take care of that. So if as industrialists, right, as tech people, as people that want to run a business, we know the schools are shit, we know that these programs aren't working, then we should be taking it upon ourselves to fix it. Sure. Right. So I was like, do one or the other. Like either we need to start pushing for more, more actual education for people that actually is meaningful and, and supports the apprenticeship or businesses need to start picking up the slack and saying, this is how we're going to reinvest in ourselves. And this is how we're going to make sure the golden goose keeps producing sure. <laughs> you know, the eggs. And it's, but it's a much more like strategic and long-term vision that some leaders right. just don't have, right? And so if you've got a leadership team that doesn't reflect what the, you know, the outside world looks like and they're not forward thinking, you're gonna fall behind. So, all right, next question. This is a good one. Who is someone like yourself that's a leader that you'd like to acknowledge uh, should be a guest on a podcast like this? Oh, great. Um, well, the person who really set an example uh, for me is uh, Rita Mijas. I'll send you her link. Um, she was actually uh, the Officer of Innovation and Diversity at ADP. Um, she's since moved on to her own organization. Um, but she she blew my mind in a couple of ways. Uh, one, she established a program at ADP uh, called the MLDP. So this is the Multicultural Leadership Development Program. And so they actually selected uh, people that were from minority groups that were underrepresented, and they plucked them out, and they gave them special training, special access. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was lucky to be part of the first cohort, and um, uh, she did a presentation about diversity. And, and she's like, your definition for diversity is too narrow, <laughs> right? And she were thinking, you know, colors, race, and then she puts on the screen, you know, like 50 different categories of, like, culture, neighborhood, upbringing, preferences, you know anything right that becomes part of your diverse calculation 
And that really just opened me up to realizing that we're just thinking about this all wrong, right? Instead of like, you know, oh, there's a, there's a dam with a hole in it that we need to fix. It's like, let's just start looking at all the water. <laughs> you know, like where where is this all coming from? How do we take best advantage sure. of this? You know, um, um, don't look at the emergency, right? Look at the look at the system. Let's see how we can really take advantage of all the diversity that's out there. And I think we'll find better solutions than just saying, "How do we fix this problem?" Right? It's, it's, it's no. It's like, how do we just take advantage of all the opportunity that's there? Nice. I like that reframing of it and looking at it from how could we improve our business by getting closer to like what our customers might look like, what yeah. our strongest employees might look like if we can keep and retain them. So makes sense. Well, makes sense to me. I, <laughs> I specifically speak about diversity and innovation because there is actually a very, very strong correlation. Um, it's actually really funny. Edison was famous as being like one of the greatest inventors, very prolific. And when he reflected on his genius, right, he said genius is 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration, right? And it was hilarious because inspiration just means that uh, is nothing, right? The idea was nothing. It was about doing the work. And so when you look at, at doing the work and how do you come out with more ideas, what Agile methodology has taught us that iteration will help kill off a lot of ideas. And so we realize that the key to innovation is a numbers game. You put more diverse and divergent ideas through the, the Agile pipe, so to speak, right? Yep. And more innovation comes out the other end. And so build diverse teams. Like the easiest thing you can do is just put different perspectives in the room. And then watch how many different things you can put through the pipe and watch come out the other end. That is great advice. So where can we find out more information about your company? Yeah. So if you want to find out more, uh, you can check out careers.adp.com. Um, we actually have special uh, innovation section. You can see videos about me and what we're doing in Pasadena, New Jersey, um, and Georgia. Um, if you want to look me up, I'm at notcherevolution.com. And I'm always available uh, uh, to talk or to, to reach out to people. Nice. Most important question of the day. What is your favorite snack? What are you snacking on? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because my name has to be the best snack on the planet, right? I oh, think yeah? Donkey during Shrek said it was parfait that everybody loves. I disagree. I think it's nachos that everybody right. loves. You can make Irish nachos. You can make Mexican nachos. You can make veggie nachos. You can do whatever you want, right? You just take a... That's what I was about to ask. It's like, what is your <laughs> nacho du jour? Because <laughs> there's oh, man, so many options. It's the so actually I do I get the fresh tortillas from the Mexican okay. market I slice it into strips fry those bad boys up Ooh. and then put the shredded cheese and jalapeno yeah Man. that's the secret the shredded the sh oh it's magical try that so next good. time so <laughs> my I'm gonna give my hack version of like I think it's just the greatest <laughs> and this is terrible <laughs> I'm good with like pretty much any brand although I like the white corn tortillas for some reason oh yeah that's yeah, if I can like have some time to actually like you know cut the tortillas into like quarters and deep fry them, totally down with that. So that's awesome. But then my thing is just like throw cheese on them, throw a little salsa, throw them in the microwave if like yeah. the first day, and just quickly like nuking something that you just go to town on. <laughs> so, and then you were racing against the clock before. Yep, it's race <laughs> before it goes down again. That's the yeah. best way to do it. Absolutely. So <laughs> thanks again, Nacho. This has been a great episode. I appreciate having you uh, come on the show. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. 
The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 